Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a great day. In this episode, we're going to try to outline a bigger topic about a new renaissance. So we had the last time we talked about, among other things, like the year of 2023, kind of where things uh, might seem to be at the moment. But in this episode, we're going to look at a much bigger perspective with the centuries and the millennia, kind of the really big picture in terms of uh, what kind of deeper long-term forces might be at play and where we are and indications of trying to decipher and understand what is happening and what we can participate in. So with the whole idea of a renaissance. Uh, so again, this is going to be like taking a few steps back, but ever since the, the Florentine renaissance in most of the 1400s into the 1500s, you have recurring uh, kind of claims that now we're in a new renaissance. Like there's always somebody claiming that we, we are now at the cusp of a new renaissance. So if we think that that might be happening now, the question is, why is it different now than from earlier times? And then two things are really standing out as something that is new, just in terms of the last 20 years, that might be a contributing factor or an essential factor in a much larger process. So one would be, new technology then especially with the internet. So the internet has only been around in a sense for two decades, kind of having a real impact. And it's hard still to understand the full ramifications of this, uh, the removal of space and also to some extent kind of the time or like delay in how ideas and thoughts and trends are kind of percolating out through the whole planet and in different cultures. So, uh, you might think that it's the biggest change since the scientific revolution, industrial revolution, uh, since kind of the railroads connected things, uh, or you could even perhaps go back to the like the, the dawn of agriculture and settlements like 10,000 years ago, which was kind of a real shift in the conditions for human cultures, like in the widest sense. So it's easy to forget because we kind of so swamped in in this new technology like for many people every second of the whole day but it is a, an enormous shift in terms of how uh, like the dynamics in societies in cultures compared to earlier times especially then in terms of how things spread if you look at the last renaissance it took uh, many many decades and sometimes centuries just to kind of uh, to let that movement or that idea or that renewal spread out into the outskirts of Europe even. So new technology is something new in terms of the internet, uh, and we have not seen the full potential of that, especially in the positive sense. It's been, it started out in one way, and then it's been uh, arguably largely a negative force for the last 10, 15 years, increasingly, much perhaps because of private power, <laughs> private money taking control and using it for their own purposes. But there is still an enormous untapped potential and also sort of energy in it that could very easily be a force for good instead. Okay, so that was the first thing of two that are new today. And the other one is new insights into brain science and the work of Ian McGilchrist. This is also something that's big on a much kind of century uh, scale of insights into human psychology and also in a sense reality and how we perceive reality and maybe even like ontology in itself with kind of the asymmetry of two parts combining together in the right 
harmony, the right balance can create like an indefinite, can be like an in, indefinite source of, of uh, creativity and, and progress and good life and just kind of time and, and the moving of like being almost in itself in a wider sense. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's still a very important insight. So both how it applies to, to oneself, to your own psyche, and how you interpret the people around you, and also how we understand cultures. Again, then that now we arguably are in, especially in the Anglo-American kind of Western cultures, uh, very much left hemisphere tilted, and increasingly so, and that's kind of a self-enforcing uh, loop sometimes, because the left brain creates an environment for itself that is left-brained, which is very machine-like and very controlled, and, and very kind of removal of certainty and just manipulation and control and domination and power, which is the left brain, uh, kind of its preferred mode of <laughs> operating. So again, those two things are new, which might contribute to something like a, a bigger renewal and rebirth. And we have other things, factors uh, that are not so unique, but they could be also essential, which is, the cycle of six, seven hundred years since the last big rebirth in Florence. This might be something like a natural uh, length of one thrust of of the bigger on like on the bigger scale of movements. Uh, this whole era now of modernism, scientism, left hemisphere uh, focused and then increasingly tilted. So that kind of might have. Uh, started to ebb out in a sense, and then we're naturally gravitating towards more of a balance, which could be uh, expressed in the form of a rebirth. Uh, we also have currently, again, the 10, 15 last years, uh, there's a turmoil, there's a fragmentation, a confusion, uh, there's a collapse and kind of breakdown in parts, but there is, are also things emerging. So that whole... Uh, that, that whole kind of in a part mess, but also in a part um, new things uh, gradually kind of being rediscovered is already happening now. But, but this is not new, but this is also kind of uh, a part of the current current situation. Uh, then we have something that's interesting. I'm going to read a little bit from, uh, from a book here, which is when, uh, this is more on the spiritual side, but when uh, after... Dante had the Renaissance and then you get Luther. And then the question is, like, Protestantism went very much into a more like a left-brained version of, of theology. But the question is, what would have happened if it went instead towards finding, refining the Greek Orthodox Eastern theology? Because that was not available at the time. It is now. And people now who are searching, and if they especially find them uh, parts of Protestant theolo theology, for example, uh, somewhat lacking in the spiritual or in the like in mysticism or more of a glowing kind of heart in it that is present now, like this whole imminent experience. You can easily find it on <laughs> on the internet. So in this case, the internet is internet as infrastructure is fantastic, but internet as a world to live in is currently not good so it's just like a already you can see like the, the infrastructure part is is more of a neutral aspect of it which then can bring us uh, you can watch videos you can find books you can read things about eastern 
thinking and also the theology. So the way that Strickland expressed this, so we're rereading his first book of his four-volume history work uh, from uh, about the paradise and utopia. The first one is called Age of Paradise, which is the first thousand years. So in the introduction, he he points to what happens then in or right after the Renaissance in the early 1500s, when there was a huge reaction to the negativity of and the corruption of the papacy, and also how like much of Catholic theology, as it came from the papacy, became so negative. It became there was such a pessimism in the anthropology, and you had a reaction with both the Renaissance, looking back to the ancient times for inspiration and for kind of positive things uh, and also then the the rejection of it uh, with Luther but he says here that only two roads forward were open at the time to the people of Christendom the one finally chosen was the one not yet traveled one that redirected the west from the kingdom of heaven to the opportunities and pleasures of the natural world and more towards uh, secularization in a sense the other option would have been the West's rediscovery of Eastern Christendom, where the trusted path to paradise was well-traveled and familiar. This would have made for a very different rebirth of ancient culture during the Renaissance. Faithfully, that was a road not taken. So this is one aspect to just keep in mind that could be an influence. As you also see now that when people find much of current kind of Western culture empty, uh, fragmented, confusing, incoherent, sterile, um, negative, and also void of any kind of brightness or spiritual uh, kind of sustenance, they tend to go to the old traditions now more because that has something to, to um, it has some nutrition and some answers and some inspiration and some thoughts that you can explore for a very long time. So that is also available now. As opposed to maybe just a hundred years ago or a few hundred years ago as well. And some people also do point directly to if Luther had had access to the Eastern theology, maybe things would, would have been different. In part also because then you would get away from the whole authority, uh, papacy, institution uh, problem at the time. At least to some extent. Okay, and then last point is then deglobalization. This is more very much current time again, uh, in terms of rebirth of especially then the Anglo-American culture, the Anglosphere, or in the West in in in, in an extended uh, kind of scale. Uh, deglobalization has is already happening. So this is kind of it's it's already public <laughs> that that we have two international worlds now operating and competing, and the Chinese international world is not as dependent on the American-led Western international world anymore, and likely at the end of this decade, it will be um, it will be bigger and stronger than the U.S. alone, not versus Europe and uh, America combined, but it's becoming a self-sustained international system that many other countries are gravitating towards more than they are towards the Western American-led international system. So that also could be a, a contributing factor in terms of a necessary rebirth of and rediscovery of many of the ancient things, but combining them with the new things. So those are kind of the points there. We also just want to add two things about the, like, the process. Like we, 
the how is this going to happen? That is a very open question. It's very hard to know because it's a kind of an organic process that that has its own nature and that we will perhaps become familiar with as it happens. Uh, but at the same time, we can aim at things. Uh, but we have the substance of the wisdom and the inspiration and the beauty from the whole ancient world, the classical world and the tradition. And we also have knowledge about the process from the Florentine Renaissance, uh, both through Dante's writings and just looking at history. Uh, so, again, we have the substance and we know about the process. That's also kind of a, it's not a prerequisite, but it is a, yet another contributing factor. So, just to bring this topic a little bit to the close, some goals about where this might be headed. So one is to redress the imbalances of a left-brained tilted culture. That is one very specific and kind of a technical goal, which in some periods of history would not be relevant, but it is now because there is an imbalance and then we have to uh, redress this imbalance and kind of address that topic, uh, which is, uh, we can find so much help and practical help from McKilchrist's work. Point two, Abs uh, absorb the technological progress into a new whole. So there is a tremendous amount of progress and innovations that could be a force for good during the last four or five hundred years. So there's a part of uh, finding a new way of regenerating things would be to absorb all of this into a new whole that is more balanced. Point three, to have a culture again with some sort of a frame and some sort of orientation and a positive outlook. Like, over time, it's not possible to function in a fragmented, uh, a fr fragmented context, world, culture that has no idea of up and down or it has no kind of positive aspiration in it at all. It's just like this eternal, incessant now with just bombardment of contradicting <laughs> inputs. So that is not long-term possible to live in. So just to have something that is, uh, could, could provide you with these things and something positive. And the fourth point is connected to that is just as a goal of a rebirth, of a new renaissance, uh, renewal is to refine the joy of life and the ideas of a good life again. Like, we should find back to this that uh, this experience of life as something positive, joyful, overall, a good thing that is pointed towards something good and that makes it something enjoyable and uh, with an uh, you can appreciate waking up and thinking that the world and life is a good thing and then you can keep moving and spending your time on positive things, which is how it should be. And it's not that hard to create that for oneself, in a sense, but it should be available on a bigger scale. And it should be, in a sense, the overall idea, the general idea of a culture as well. Okay, so that was some morning thoughts here about the new conditions that we have now that could contribute or be essential for a new rebirth. And then we also have some ideas about the process and some ideas about the aim, the goal for where we should be thinking and trying to move and exploring uh, in, in the coming years. So we're then going to uh, end this episode with 
a little bit of inspiration and we're going to look at now this is also relevant to what we talked about so far from inferno from dante this is inferno chapter 1 canto 1 verse 16 so this is he he wakes up in a in a dark forest and then it's a horrible place he gets to the edge of the forest and he sees he's standing at the foot of a hill and then he says I raised my head and saw the hilltop shawled in morning rays of light sent from the planet that leads people straight ahead on every road. And then only the terror starts subsiding in my heart's lake. So this is the first really clear image, vision of something positive, something bright to move towards, like the sun, the illumination, the divine love also, that could move you and... and uh, regenerate and kind of make you more healthy and also bring more joy to life in the way it should be. We just want to say the Italian as well, which is Guardai in alto e vide le sue spalle, which is I looked up in the high and I saw at its shoulders vestite già di raggi del pianeta, clothed already in the rays of the planet, which is, they said planet for stars as well, che mena dritto altrui per ogni calle that led straight or right everyone in every path, every road. Allor fu la paura un poco quieta. So now uh, it made the fear a little bit quieted. Che nel lago del cuore mi era durata. Which in the lake of my heart had kind of durated. La notte che io passai con tante pietà. The night that I had passed with much anguish. So this is the first contrast again, like waking up in a condition that is being lost in the dark forest metaphorically, which could be interpreted in, in like thousands of ways. And then getting to the edge of this forest metaphorically and seeing something positive, like this hilltop shawled in, in rays of morning light. So with that image to just ponder and enjoy for uh, the rest of the weekend. And uh, maybe also this episode has been some food for thought for just like the bigger picture. Hope some of this was interesting. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in and see you again in the next episode. Mm-hmm.